never take lightly the kiss of his presence. Man, there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. There's a lot of churches that don't get this much heaven. I'm telling you, they're good churches. You know, some are, you hear a great inspiring message. The music is flawless, but there's not a lot of wind of the spirit on it. And I think it's good to be excellent, but without the wind, uh, there's no point. And there's wind here. The wind is blowing. The fire's burning. Don't take it lightly. And I just feel like, I, I honestly feel prophetically that you guys are going to be stepping into just a deeper river of worship in the presence of the Lord. And there's something that the Lord's doing um, that, and, and this, I don't say this because the river wasn't pure, but he's purifying the river of worship. I think this is for the body of Christ in general. There's a lot of stuff out there that we call worship that's yeah. just entertainment and, yeah. you know, and, and some people are doing to the best of their ability, what they feel God has called them to do. So I don't, I don't like to say anything specific regarding that, like what, what I believe is entertainment. You know, there's a lot of mainstream worship, though, that honestly, to me, uh, there's not a lot of wind on it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but there is something God's doing here to not only refine the, the, the sound, the melody, uh, and, and release the presence of the Lord, um, there's a depth though. There's a depth and the current is getting stronger and will continue to get stronger because that river flows. Ezekiel 47 talks about the river of God that flows. It's also men mentioned at the, uh, the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the river that flows from the temple. How many know that heaven and earth is where the temple is? How many know that you're the temple and we are the temple together? So the river that flows from this community and from our lives individually brings healing and refreshing to the world around. And that's what we are created to do as the people of God. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that um, today. And so I'm going to dive right in. And it's, uh, I'm going to start in a, a scripture in the Psalms. So if you have your Bible, or if you don't, you probably have a device that has a Bible app. If not, it should be on the screen. Actually, this scripture might not be because it's in a different translation. Um, some might not consider this an actual translation, which that's fine. Oh, it is up. Okay. Uh, it, it's more of a targum, it's, but it's, it's still got some rich stuff in it. I mean, it's important to glean from uh, good translations of the Bible and study. I love the ESV. I love that you, you have that. I love the New King James. I love, there's so many good uh, translations. Some are word for word. Some are thought for thought. But uh, I like to read the message. Eugene Peterson was brilliant. He has gone on to be with the Lord. Um, and I also like the passion uh, and again, it's more of a, a targum, but I, I do want to read from it. Uh, there's a few verses here, so I'm going to jump around a few different scriptures. And I want to talk uh, this morning about the, the priestly role of the believer. How many know that we are kings and priests unto our God? And what does that mean? What does that look like? And how does that impact us? And there is a, uh, I'm actually in the process of writing a, another book right now. And it's about the church being centered around the throne, around the presence of God, and how everything flows from that. Um, we, you know, the church is in a place now we're trying to, especially through the last couple of years with pandemic stuff, 
we, we don't have any tricks left up our sleeves. How I many know? It's like th there's so many things that don't work. And, and they were never meant to work. And they were never meant to bear lasting fruit. Like, you can only do so much of entertainment on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. Like, you can only do, you can only do so much of non-encounter services where you're not encountering the Word or the presence of God or sweet, authentic Christian community. How many know what I'm saying? I'm going to start preaching, but if you don't shout back at me, I'm going to preach harder. Um, but I, I just feel like the church is in a transition right now. The body of Christ, there's a fork in the road. I saw it coming over 10 years ago that the models of the church, some have become maladies. And there is an ancient remedy to this malady, and it's the presence of God. It's the, it's the word of God. It is, it is having an encounter with Jesus because there's a lot of different ways to do church. And I think we should glean to be excellent and do things right and, and be presentable. But also uh, the same thing with understanding theology. And we, we need to be preaching the word. There's a lot of false teaching. We need to preach the truth. Come on, the scripture says that, that him who speaks should speak as the utterance of God. But I feel like there's a lot of models that have become maladies. We've exchanged presence for principles. And we've exchanged things that, uh, that really don't bear, bear lasting fruit. But we're in a season where the Lord uh, himself is, is unleashing just a richness of his love and manifesting his power and presence. If he can entrust a people that take on the mandate of the priestly role that we are carriers of the presence of God. How many know wherever you go, the presence of the Lord goes? I didn't even read the text yet, but I'm already starting to preach. I, I really just feel this word burning for the church right now. And I, I feel like that. sometimes I get mad. I get frustrated, not in a bad way, but in a way where, how many know sometimes when you're frustrated about something, it's because God's called you to fix it. Not talk about it, not criticize it, not gossip about it, not sow discord about it, not name names and smear ministries, but fix it. In other words, be the more, don't criticize the lack. And God has called us to rise up right now. He's looking for people to take on the mandate, say, would you carry my presence to a broken world? Would you host my peace to a world that is full of chaos and disorder? I mean, you know, as kingdom ambassadors, that is what we are created to do is advance the kingdom of God. But wherever you go, the presence of the Lord goes. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we profess this as Christians. If you're born again believer, the spirit of God takes resin in you. Are you thankful he doesn't leave you? I don't know about you, but I am because I haven't been perfect the whole time. I might be perfect now, but no, I'm not really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many know, like the Lord, the Holy Spirit's like super glue, man. He comes and lives and makes his home in you, and he never leaves you. It's so beautiful, but we profess, like, oh, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And, but it's like, no, you have the holy sacred, the holy of holies, the very essence of God's presence resides, the glory, the same glory that was seen on the top of the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament where there was two angels on either side, the cherubim that covered and protected the glory. This is where the priests would, they, they would use the word Shekinah, the Shekinah glory. That word's not even in the Bible, but it comes from the word to dwell. So there was this tangible manifest glory the cloud by day and the fire by night. It was the burning bush. How many know that you now are a new covenant burning bush? 
You have temporal substance and heavenly substance in one. The spirit of the living God dwells on the inside of you. And he wants out. He wants, to, he wants to manifest through you. There are people around you that you come in contact with all the time, and they're just starving for bread. They're hungry for the bread of life. They're hungry for the bread of presence. They're hungry for an encounter with Jesus. And guess how they're going to encounter Jesus? Through your life. Jesus wants to come out in your flavor. He wants to flow through you with rivers of living water. And the church of the living God is not called to be a place of programs and principles, but a house of presence because the God who is everywhere wants to manifest somewhere, and you are that somewhere. All right, let me read the Bible. Jesus, help me. Some of you guys are like, he's not, he hasn't even read the Bible yet. I hope nobody thinks that. But just in case, stop it. I'm preaching the Bible. All right. What did I say? Psalm 132. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. You're so good. How many can just sense the presence of the Lord right now? So good. I made a decision a long time ago. I won't do church without the presence of God. I won't, and I, I made a decision a long time ago. Wherever I go, people are going to experience the presence of God. Because I said yes to the priestly mandate to be a carrier of his presence. It's the untold mandate. It's the, it's the mandate that we sometimes miss. You know, there's sacred things in the historic Christian faith, but there's a mystical reality that we are the temple together, and we are the temple individually. And it's a beautiful, beautiful revelation that we need to understand the implications of verse 13 psalm 132 lord you have chosen zion as your dwelling place for your pleasure is fulfilled in making it your home i hear you say i will make this place my eternal dwelling for i've loved and desired it to be my very own I mean, on the Old Testament, Zion is a type and a shadow of the church, the city of God. We are the people of God. I will make Zion prosper and satisfy her poor with my provision. I will cover my priests with salvation's power, and all my righteous ones will shout for joy. I will increase the anointing that was upon David... And my glistening glory will rest upon my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but holiness will bloom on my anointed one. Isn't that powerful? So good. There's some promises in there that are befitting to point to messianic promises. When we read the Old Testament, um, in order to apply it or how it would speak to us as New Testament Christians, we've got to take it through Calvary and read it as like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we need to read our Bibles with Jesus. And we need to read our Bibles with the burning fire um, in our hearts for to, to, to be in the presence of Jesus. As we develop a hunger for the word, it should also 
it should never be this thing where we separate. I think we over compartmentalize. Well, I want to I want a church that's a word church. Well, I want a church that's a spirit church. Well, that church is too spirit. They need the balance of the word. You don't need a balance. You don't need 50-50. You need 100-100. The word and the spirit agree. If you're a spirit church, you're a word church. If you're a word church, you're a spirit church. The word and the spirit agree. And so there's something that is is profound about diving in and looking at the scripture. When I look at this verse, you look at the Old Testament, which are types and shadows. Uh, Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 2, that the Old Testament is the shadow, but Jesus is the reality. And so when we read this, we're pointing to Jesus is the reality. We take it through Calvary. Now, I want to read some profound verses that, let me just lay a quick foundation. I want to talk about the priestly role of the believer. Is everybody with me so far? Now, what does that mean to us? So how many know that in the Reformation, we had the revelation, Martin Luther, I love the Reformation. We really needed a reformation in the church 500 years ago. The church was corrupt. There was sexual perversion. There was financial uh, corruption and all sorts of things. And thank God for reformers. Thank God for people that say yes to the call of God and bring change where there needs to be change. Um, not all of the change was was that glorious. There's some things in the Reformation that are a bit of a contamination of Greek philosophy. That's for another time and another message um, and, and another discovery. Uh, there's just there's a lot of things we could talk about there. But but I love the Reformation. We need the finished work message. We need the grace message. But one of the most powerful revelations was that we, as Christians that are born again, we are also kings and priests unto our God. We are a kingdom of priests. In other words, we have a priestly role as a Christian. We don't need to go to some mediator uh, except for the God-man Jesus we don't need, we, we have been made one with the anointed one, and now we have access. How many know the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 says we have access by one spirit to the Father? How many know in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, I believe it's Hebrews 4, it says we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help. How many know you have access to the Holy of Holies? In the Old Testament, the high priest one time a year would go into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies now lives inside of you, and you can experience that reality every second of every day. You, as an individual believer, are part of the royal priesthood in the new covenant. That's powerful. Man, imagine if we just accepted that reality as a mandate. Everywhere you go, you become the hem of the garment of Jesus. I bet there's some people with issues of blood out there. I bet you there's some people out there that the life is being drained out of them and they've wasted their money on physicians. And I'm speaking metaphorically and physically like there's people that just don't have anywhere else to turn, but they're just waiting to experience the healing of the disease of their sin, their bondage, or their physical ailment, whatever it may be. You are a priest, one with the high priest who is Jesus, and you become, we become uh, the hem of his garment. We're living epistles read by all men. That virtue would flow out of us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in within us, gives life to us, and flows out of us like a river of living water. This isn't just something, some new thing. Well, this sounds like the new apostolic reformation. No, it is the apostolic reality of the church. This is what they read the book of Acts. Well, that passed. That's garbage if you think that. 
We need miracle signs and wonders way more now. I mean, miracle, there's no day of miracles. There's a God of miracles, and he does not change. There's no biblical evidence that as soon as the canon was put together, that all of a sudden the gifts ceased and the miracles ceased. That is just hogwash. What's interesting about people that adopt that, that theology is they base it upon sola scriptura, that well, the word was complete. So, But there's no scriptural evidence whatsoever at all that says anything about that. The, the earliest record we have of the 27 books of the New Testament put together is in 267 A.D., and it was a letter that St. Athanasius was writing to some other bishops, and we see all 27 books. The canon, it took centuries for that to, to really come into fruition, that this is the 27 books of the New Testament. How many know the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the mystical reality that, that we experience these things, the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, none of it has gone away. And we need it now more than ever. Same Holy Spirit lives within us. It's not like the Holy Spirit says, well, now I can't give you any gifts. Sorry. It's just, you know, the day of miracles is over. The same Holy Spirit that lived in Peter and Paul and John, the beloved, lives in us. Well, Peter's shadow healed somebody. I mean, come on. Start believing God for that. Start believing God. When I walk into a room, I'm going to shift the atmosphere. I'm going to walk in the room, and, and some people might get uncomfortable. That's okay, because to some it's the aroma of life, and others it's not. But we are called to manifest the fragrance of Christ in every place. As a young Christian, I, I started learning this. I would pick up the guitar, and I would do worship, and a wind from an unseen realm would fill the room. I would pray, and I, I didn't even know how to pray. One of my first, oh my gosh, it's still, I think I need inner healing from this. I, I remember my first time praying out loud in a prayer meeting was a little Pentecostal church on Halloween night because when you're Pentecostal, you don't trick-or-treat. You pray in a circle with all the old people that speak in tongues. So that's what you do. And I remember going to this prayer meeting and we're all in a circle and they're going around the circle and it's my time to pray. And I'm like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I barely know how to read at this point, you know. I'm 17 years old, and <laughs> thanks. Literally read at a first grade level when I was 17. Um, I mispronounced gen Gentile genital one time in Bible study. I, God wants to bless the genitals, and everyone laughs. That's biblical. I mean, you know, the blessing upon the next generation, Abraham <laughs> grabbed the loins of his son Isaac, you know. Just right there. Just don't go up any further. That's weird. So my first time praying, we're in a circle. This little old lady, man, full of the Holy Ghost. God, we pray. She's preaching. I'm just like, I wish I could pray like that. It gets to me, and I, I have like some Ephesians scripture ready because someone taught me the Ephesians prayer. If you want to pray good, pray like Paul. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. I'm like, all right. So it came my turn. It was like it all came out in another language. It was not tongues. It was like, Father, I pray, Paul, the eyes of our understanding being lined by Jesus' name. Amen. Shaking, nervous. It didn't work out too well. I don't even know why I was telling you that story, but whatever. You don't even have to be eloquent. You can change the atmosphere because your heart is oriented and yielded 
at the reality that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And there's a peace inside of you that's resonant within you that the world doesn't have, but they want it. A peace that surpasses all understanding. When the world is going to hell in a handbasket and COVID is happening, there's a peace resident in you because you hear a voice, the voice of your papa, that says it's all going to be okay. Man, if we just accepted the reality that we are priests and we carry the presence of God, how we would become the hem of His garment and bring healing to the world around. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the revelation that I'm speaking of is that we are the temple. We are that Zion that God has chosen to be His resting place. Verse 4, he says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. Good Christian band name, living stones. I'm sure there's been like a million copying the Rolling Stones. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Listen, I'm going to say something to you. The church is a building. No, it's not, Pastor. Yeah, it is. It's a spiritual building that God builds. The Father is the architect. He, the mortar, he carefully assembles us. Because the church is not meant to be a gathering. The church is meant to be an assembly. Can you imagine Christmas time, my wife and I get Christmas presents for our kids, if they're good that year, which never happens, so they never get gifts. Pray for them. I'm kidding. They get so many gifts. It's ridiculous. My Hannah, one of my daughters, just sent us a Christmas list. It was like $3,500. I want a computer. I want, I'm like, is she out of her mind? Hope Hannah never sees this, but I, so I, I, uh, I had this thought, like, can you imagine we get up and one of our kids wants a bike for Christmas. And instead of having the bike by the tree with the bow on it, we just have a bunch of the parts just all piled up right under the tree. Screws, bolts. Can you imagine? Here's your gift. What's that? Can't ride that. Can't, what is this? I don't even know what it is. See, the church is a lot of parts just gathered together. But when we know that we are kings and priests and we're living stones, we become assembled for our purpose and the intent that heaven has for us in the earth. Don't be a gathering. Be an assembled army. Ezekiel 37, when the, the prophet is asked from the Lord, who, are these bones going to live? Best answer, if you don't know, just say, you know, Lord. If the Lord ever asks you a question you don't know, just say, you know, that's the best answer. Lord, you know. God, you know, that's why I tell my wife, and I don't know the answer. You know, honey. Praise God. Yes, ma'am. I've been married 23 years. I've learned. That's a good marriage of wisdom. Just say, yeah, baby, whatever you say. Can I spend a million dollars? Sure, go ahead. We don't have it, but go ahead. Whatever you want, baby. So the prophet, I'm so distracted. The prophet says, you know if these dry bones in the valley can live. And then the Lord says, I want you to prophesy to the four winds. And what happens when the wind blows on the valley, they begin to become assembled together. See, when the wind of God's spirit 
blows upon a people, they become an army. Don't just be a bunch of parts gathered together because we are individual members of the body. We're living stones. This is what Peter's talking about. God is building you into a spiritual temple. What's more is you are his holy priest. This is what it says right here in verse 5 of, of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, 5. You are his holy priests. You are his holy priests. Now, in, in the, the, the understanding that Jesus gives gifts of leaders and pastors and such to the body of Christ, there is even more of a responsibility as a priestly role to those that represent Jesus to the people and that serve the body. So in one sense, I think that the, the senior leadership should take on the role of a senior worship leader. It doesn't mean they have to be on the worship team unless that's their gift. But they should make space for the manifest presence of God more than anything else. Because everything flows from that. I love leaders that, that worship. Man. I, I feel like the Lord is raising up in this time. You know, uh, like apostolic and prophetic worshipers, and some of them are psalmists. Some of them do play and sing and lead worship. There's something about this worshiping army the Lord's raising up, this priestly, this holy priestly army, because God is building a house. He's building a house. And it says, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer up spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now jump down to verse 9. Are you all with me? It says here, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. And I skipped some verses, so you got to read the context later because i got more to go. It says you are royal priests. That's who you are. You're royalty. You're royalty. You're a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is in the New Living Translation. I have it memorized in the New King James. So I, sometimes in my mind I want to start speaking the New King James instead of reading what I'm reading. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, you can't proclaim the praises of him. You can't display the glory of God unless you realize that you're a priesthood and a holy nation. And the church has been doing it backwards. Like, we, like we're trying to come up with, oh, what can, how can we attract the, the people of God in the building? You know what attracts the people of God? Life, the presence of God. And then bring the presence of the people in the streets, man. Bring the love of God, the peace of God, that river. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me. John 7, 37. Come if you're thirsty. And out of your heart, your belly will flow rivers of living water. That's the mandate of heaven. That we have Ephesians chapter 2 Paul the, this mystery you know that we're the body of Christ and that we're a temple Paul talks about it in fact it's it's written in such a way where in Ephesians chapter 2 before Ephesians 4 when we talk about equipping the saints a lot a lot of people think well we got we got to equip the saints we do but that's not the primary purpose of the church you know the even the primary purpose of the church is not evangelism I knew I'd only get one yeah on that one. It's a very important. It's the Great Commission. But before we evangelize the world, let's just read Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Ephesians chapter 2. 
You are uh, Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family together. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together. He carefully joins us together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You know what the primary purpose of the church is? To be dwelling place for God. And out of that flows all of the other things that we try to make happen without the wind, without the river. Good preaching without the wind is not good preaching. It's good information. I don't just want knowledge, man. We always misquote the verse where it talks about like, that the whole earth will be covered. How many know the verse? The whole earth will be covered with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, I just misquoted it. It doesn't say the whole earth will be covered with the glory of the Lord. What was that one word I missed? Knowledge. The whole earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That word knowledge is yada. The first time we see it in the Bible is Adam and Eve. Adam knew Eve. There's an intimate interchange. To know something is not just two plus two is four. That's how we've done church and ministry and Jesus. And let me just read some scriptures and memorize them, and I'm friends with Jesus. No, he wants to pour his love on you. He wants you to experience him. When you read the scripture, like something happens on the inside of you. You're not, you're not just reading a couple verses to get through your week. It's not just reading a verse and feeling encouraged through your day so you can go to work where you hate going to work or whatever it is, the stuff that we deal with in life. But to know the truth, like the scripture says, to know the truth is to experience the truth. We will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But knowing something is not just knowledge. So the Bible says the earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. There's a, an awareness that the presence of God is filling all things. So the primary purpose of the church is not just evangelism, fellowship, and all those equipping the saints. Now Paul says it. Before Ephesians 4 says equipping the saints, he says it right here. No, you're to be a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Let me just prove it to you real quick. Think about Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Before 3,000 souls were added to the church, when Peter preached, Peter, the flaky fisherman, the ordinary young man who denied the Lord, hello, the, the ordinary young man who made a lot of mistakes, but empowered by the Spirit. Are you so thankful that God can take ordinary and make it extraordinary? Come on, they weren't even educated. And the Bible says they knew they had been with Jesus. Your education doesn't determine your destination. Come on. Just because you have a degree, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. And because you don't have a degree, it doesn't mean education's good. But it's not just knowledge. We worship knowledge sometimes, thinking that that's how we're going to change the world. Now, I'm a theological person. I love theology. But if I'm not experiencing what I'm reading about, then I'm hungering for more, which is okay to do. But in the book of Acts, before all the people were added to the church, how many know they were a dwelling place for God in that upper room? It says a mighty rushing wind filled the house that they were sitting we're created to be a dwelling place for God, and then we become that river flowing out of the temple. So how does this happen? I'm going to just close out with this, this thought. There is a call. There's a, an awareness that we need 
that we are kings and priests to our God. There is an awareness that we need, a mandate, in fact. There's an authority that God says, hey, you're to carry my presence wherever you go, and you're to release that. You're to release my love. You're to preach the gospel to every creature. So what does it mean for us? How do we how do, we do this? How does it work? I, I remember as a young man um, uh, serving the Lord and learning that part of my gift was worship. That when I would sing, there was a, a wind of heaven that would just manifest it. There was a time I went to a uh, an event my sister was having, actually, who's here. And um, she worked for a company that distributed uh, uh, beer. She worked for Coors Light. What a great job before Christ, right? Free beer all the time. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I was a Christian, and, and I was supporting the event. And I went to this pub. Uh, here in Las Vegas, and it was packed out. I happened to know the band that was playing because the band that was playing, we let them use our youth uh, facility to practice. And and I go, they know that I lead worship. I'm like a youth leader slash worship leader at that time in my life, serving in church. And they're playing, the place is packed, everyone's having a good time, you know. It's a typical bar scene, smells like booze and, you know, all that. And... Uh, the midway uh, through their set, the lead singer says, Zach, c- go up and play a song. And I'm like, all I know is worship. What is he thinking, you know? Go up and play a song? And so I, I remember looking at my wife. I'm like, should I play a song? She's like, yeah, just do a song. Just do a song. I'm like thinking, what's a song that I could do that's like undercover worship, right? Because that's how I roll. I'm thinking like, God, you're gonna, there's something about this. Like, so I, I, I picked this song called Kiss the Sun written by Kevin Prosh from one of the Psalms. And uh, I go up, and the drummer and bass player back me up, and I do this undercover worship song in a bar. And I'm going for it. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell anyone to lift their hands because that would be really weird, you know. Lift your hands to the Lord. Give them a shout of praise. I'm like, no, I'm going to leave. I'm going to host the presence of God that lives in me and that's resting on my life. And I'm going to sing as if I'm kissing the feet of Jesus. And through that intimacy, may the fragrance of his love just fill this dirty pub in Las Vegas. This dark place, the place we call unholy. God wants to fill with light. And I'm going for it. And uh, I remember... This moment where I'm like, I just want to sing out right now. I wasn't going to sing out in tongues, but I, that would have really freaked them out. They'd have throw, thrown beer at me or something, I don't know. But I wanted to sing spontaneous. This guttural, deep melody from my belly came out. I was just worshiping, man. And the atmosphere shifted, and I'm singing spontaneous worship to the Lord with my eyes closed. And the Lord crashed into that room and hit that room like a ton of bricks. I look out and I see people crying in a bar. We had church in a bar. It was hard to stop, but we ended up closing it out and or stopping. And people came up to me, where do you go to church? I, I need to get back to church. Tears streaming down their face. Man. Can we say yes to that? Maybe the Lord's looking for people to go into dark places and minister his love. 
and his peace. There's hungry people. They have so much turmoil, and they do everything that they can. This isn't just Christ or just non-believers; it's believers too. We we try to fill the gaping holes with all the other stuff, but the only thing that will ever satisfy is Jesus and our relationship with Him. I want to close real quick with this scripture, which is the high priestly prayer of Jesus, and how many know we're one with Him in the Spirit? And the Bible says. He was joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. So in that moment in the pub, when I was singing, because my heart was joined to the Lord, as I was singing out, man, the wind of the very spirit of God was just being released. Because my heart was to host his presence in that space. When we make space for him, it becomes sacred space. Make sacred space in your family. Make sacred space in your church. Make sacred space in your marriage. Come on, somebody. Make sacred space in your relationships. Heart to heart, face to face. You know, one of the most sacred spaces that's neglected as uh, people is the table. Just sitting at the table. Heart to heart, face to face. But this is what Jesus says, being our high, great high priest Verse 18 of John chapter 17, I've commissioned them, he's praying for believers, to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice. Wow. Right before he went to the cross. So that they would live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. And then most of us know that next two verses, he begins to pray for us. Jesus says, I ask not just for these disciples, but anyone that's going to believe one day through the gospel, through their message. I pray for all of them to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you've given me, I've given them. Wow. You know the Lord wants to clothe you with glory. Where people look at you and they're like, I don't know what it is about your face. What, you put something on your face that makes it glow? My face is glowing right now because I'm peeling. So I put like this, my beard balm on my face. It's good for skin too. But there's a heavenly oil the Lord wants to smear your little face with. And everywhere you go, people look they're like, Phew. What is it about you? Jeff, what is it about you? Is it that fantastic beard you have? The priesthood of every believer. There's a mandate. The Lord is saying, this is, this is in the high priestly prayer. I'm, the glory the Father gave me, I'm giving them. Look what he says here. This is so profound to me. I read it over and over again, and it just unravels more. They'd be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me now and I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. Isn't it interesting that there's a connection with our unity with the high priest and us being clothed with the glory of heaven and the world being convinced? Maybe we missed it the whole time. And we're trying to do church programs. I'm all for good programs. We need structure. We need excellence. 
But discipleship's not a program. It's relationship. It's organic. It's intentional. It's dynamic. But we are created to encounter God and to meet with God. And through that intimacy we have with him, we become that sweet fragrance of love to the world around us. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. When you come into your church and worship on Sunday, this is why you experience God in worship. You experience his love. Lift your hands right now and just thank him for his presence. The God who's everywhere wants to manifest somewhere. And you are that somewhere. How many can sense his presence right now? Just lift your hands and thank him for it. Say, Lord, thank you. We bless you. We love you. You're calling us to say yes. It's a courageous surrender to be priests of our God, that we would manifest your love and your grace. Thank you, Lord. So good, so good. So good to be with you guys today. I want to pray for you in just a moment. And um, I hope we didn't go too long, Pastor Wesley. Uh, my, my clock on my computer says 3.33, and I know that's not what time it is. And I know the Raiders play in about 40 minutes if you're a Raiders fan. I'll pray for you. No, I'm just playing. I don't mind the Raiders. They're, they're all right, you know, whatever. But I want to close. Um, and I have my daughter and Lenny up here uh, to maybe just do a little altar stuff. And I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, it was a story that changed my life. My wife and I went to Cabo San Lucas in 2018. 19. You're right. I'm wrong. Always. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Just kidding. So we went to celebrate our 20-year anniversary. We wanted to go somewhere out of the country. We go to Cabo San Lucas. Beautiful, romantic trip. It was incredible. And, uh, and we're celebrating our love. And we, we kick off the trip by going into this little Mexican town. And we're shopping and having fun and just being silly, laughing, being spontaneous, eating some of the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life. It's the kind of food that leaves a hole in your soul that only authentic Mexican food can fill. Gloria a Dios. Dios es bueno. We moved to Rochester, and, and there's no good Mexican restaurants there. You have to pray for us, guys. Like, I, honestly, it's a, it's, a, it's a burden. It's an infirmity. It's, I feel like I'm on the mission field every day. What am I supposed to eat? We go, and we're having so much fun. And we turn into young lovers again, man, 20 years together. And we're just laughing and having a good time. And uh, one of the nights that we're there, we planned this beautiful romantic dinner. And um, it was one of the top 10 places. is voted in the top 10 of one of the most romantic restaurants in the world. It overlooks the arch, the, the famous at the tip of the Baja, where the sun... And, and the water and the, and the rocks all meet and, and just creates this amazing, spectacular sunset. And we go to this restaurant, and they come, and we go outside to the terrace. There's the ocean's right there. You can hear the waves crashing on the rocks. We sit down. Oh, we took a couple pictures real quick, and these pictures made us look, me, look amazing. I look like the overweight Thor, and my wife was my princess and stunning and beautiful. And I, when we got the photos, I'm like, I can't believe they look. It looks fake. The background looks fake. I wish I could show you. But we sit down. We eat. The food's amazing. It's just incredible. We sit down. 
And we're looking at the sunset, and we're looking at one another, and we're just like, God, you're so stinking good. How can I, I want to just stop this moment. And then it just starts raining, like this heavenly mist, it starts raining. I'm like, could it be any more romantic? I'm crying. I'm like, what, what am I, like a woman here? Come on. I mean, I don't mind a chick flick every once in a while, but this was like out of control. I look at Rochelle, I'm like, baby, this is the most romantic moment we've ever had. Sure enough, a rainbow manifests over our head. That's no joke. Like, it was just amazing. We had a, a, such a beautiful time. And on this trip, you know, we're celebrating our love, our yes to one another to be one. You know, when I, I, I share this stuff sometimes, I know there's, like, people that aren't married. It's like, I don't want to hear this story. You know that the romance between a man and a woman is a vivid expression of the romance of the groom, Jesus, and his bride. So when I share this, I want you to think about Jesus and his bride. And I'm so glad my wife said yes. And Jesus is calling his bride to say yes. And on the same trip, I had a dream that altered our life. I had a dream about pastoring a church. And, and the Lord, I'm not going to tell the whole story, unfolded. Undeniably, the Lord called us to move to Rochester. The hardest decision I've ever made in my entire life. I had to leave the church that we started, we love so dearly. My family, I told my dad, I'm like, I, I can't leave you guys. I can't be away. And, but the Lord called us. It was the hardest yes, the hardest surrender ever. It was on that trip, on that romantic trip. And there is a yes that the Lord is calling us to, and it's to host his presence. To not do church without him. And it might be difficult, but the Lord's calling us into intimacy to say yes. How many can agree with that and say amen? So I want to pray for you, and maybe you feel like, you know what, man, I'm, I want to, I'm an evangelist, or you know what, man, I want to experience God. You know what, I want to I want to sit at the feet of Jesus and just worship him like Mary breaking open that fragrant perfume at the feet of Jesus. The Lord is calling us. He's calling us as his people to say yes to the mandate to be priests, to be the hem of his garment. I'm so thankful I'm here with you. I want to close in prayer. Would you lift your hands with me? Can we just pray right now? Father, I thank you for these precious people. Every person in this room, I pray. I want to ask you to turn up the keys, would you, just a little bit. Father, would you just lift up your prayer language for just a moment if you pray in the Spirit or just sing out in the Spirit for a moment. Sarah, would you just begin to sing out? That's it, that's it, just sing out. Thank you, Lord. Turn her mic up, would you, real quick? Jesus, we love you. Come on, lift your hands and just thank God for his presence right now. Father, I pray for every person in this room to begin to experience your glory and your presence right now. I want to be very sensitive to what's happening in the room, but I, I feel like I kind of want to do like an altar call, but I'm going to let, I'm going to hand it back to your pastor in a moment. But right where you're at, 
Would you just lift your hands up and, and just thank him for his presence? And if you're in this place and you're like, I want to say yes to this spiritual mandate, this untold plea from the heart of God, would you be one with me and would you manifest my glory and my presence to the broken world around. Come on, lift your hands and just say yes, Lord. We say yes. If that's you, just say yes. Come on, believers all across. Whatever that looks like, your priestly mandate in your marriage, in your family, come on, in your relationships, in your church, we say yes. And it's not a yes, Lord, where we have these conditions. It's a yes that is absolutely a surrender. It says, whatever it is that you call me to do, I will go. I say yes. There's no other place I'd rather be than at the feet of Jesus. So we say yes. We say yes, Lord. We say yes. Can you bring the keys up just a little bit more? Just fill it, fill the space, fill the space with the heavenly sound right now. We say yes, Lord, we say yes. We say yes. 